Amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 15. I want to look at Matthew 15 and we'll share a message entitled, What's Coming Out? Amen. And that's interesting. Uh, the world seems to be coming out with all kinds of vices and debaucheries and the Christian is hiding in the closet. Amen. What's coming out? Matthew chapter 15. We begin reading in verse 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God with your, by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest uh, be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of not effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Elias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, I verily, I'm sorry, he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, are ye also yet without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the, at the uh, mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornication, thieves, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, not to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to open up the word of God today. I pray we'll learn uh, some very practical truths that Jesus is presenting to these Pharisees and Sadducees and uh, giving understanding to his disciples uh, about what really defiles an individual. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would think about our relationship with you this morning. Certainly the, the evidences of our uh, conduct, our, our, our vocabulary uh, reveals what's really in our heart, reveals whether we're saved, reveals whether we're not saved, impresses upon others whether we're a Christian or not a Christian. And certainly, Lord, uh, the matters of the heart are important because of the fact uh, it's going to determine what the outward action is going to be. 
I pray if there's someone here this morning who's not saved, Lord, that you'd touch them and speak to them in a special way that they would come and receive Christ as their Savior. I pray for every believer this morning uh, that our conversation, our conduct would uh, typify the very character of Christ. And so speak to us, we pray. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 18. Jesus said, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. What's coming out? Uh, the reality is, you know, oftentimes people say, Well, God doesn't look on the outward, He looks on the heart. That's exactly right. But all man sees is the outward. All man can see or determine about somebody's life and who they are or who they say they are is based upon what they say and what they do. So what's coming out? Because the reality is there is something coming out of you that is depicting what's going on in your heart and really the root of really who you are. The focus of the Pharisees was constantly on the outward. Everything they confronted Jesus about was outward experiences, and Christ would have to point them to a deeper understanding that was what was going on in a man's heart. Their focus in this chapter, where we've read, is on the outward washing of hands. Your disciples violate the law of God. They don't wash before they eat bread. Uh, the dedication of the Pharisees was simply the traditions of men. In verse 3, Jesus said, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? It was more important for them to hold to the traditions of their forefathers than it was to hold to the word of God. Many, listen, many churches die because of the fact that people get so caught up with tradition. That's all they're worried about is that we do everything exactly like we've done it for the last 235,000 years. And don't change one thing because as soon as you do, oh my goodness, we're falling into sin big time. But yet, they violate every scriptural principle that God has outlined that we are to live by. That is, holding to the commandments and the traditions of men will destroy the church. And the focus of the Pharisees was simply the traditions of the men, of man. The commitment of the Pharisees was at best shallow and very superficial. Notice in verse 6 through 8. When Jesus said, And honor not thy, uh, his father and his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of non effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Elias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They were superficial. Every, everything was hypocritical. Everything was in reference to being something, stating something, acting in a certain way to demonstrate a, a false reality of who they were really down deep inside. They would talk about God. They would even say they're worshiping God. But the reality is their hearts were not right with God. And so as a result... Their heart was producing all these negative actions. And so what's coming out? What's coming out? You can't, listen, you can't hide what's in your heart. You might think you can hide it, but it's going to manifest itself somewhere, somehow, sometime. And so he confronts them about their commitment being so shallow. They had vocal acknowledgement of God, but they had no spiritual 
reality of God in their life. The doctrine of the Pharisees was simply after man and not after God. Notice in verse 9 of the passage, he said, But in vain they do worship me, teaching the doc for doctrines the commandments of man. We're living in a great time in history uh, because we're living in a time where everything's redefined. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what the issue is. The world has re redefined what it is. And, uh, you know, the Bible calls homosexuality sodomy, but everybody else calls it, you know, uh, a gay lifestyle. Everybody redefines everything. When it comes to worship of God, what worship of God used to be is a solemn surrender and focus on the reality of who God is and how he works in our life. And now it's become nothing more than but a bunch of entertainment. We, we, the world has masterminded a false reality of redefining everything that is about God and placed everything on the reality of who man is. And it's nothing new. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because of the fact that their doctrine that they developed was not after theologically, personally, who God was according to his word, but rather according to the doctrines or the teachings or the understanding of man. The emotional state of the Pharisees was one of offense. Notice in uh, verse 10, I didn't put these all on the slide, but you can get them. Notice in verse 10, it says, And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying. See, their emotional state was one of constant offense in response to the teaching of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing how people get offended uh, uh, over anything you deal with from the scriptures. Everybody's always offended about it. You know, Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And uh, you're always getting offended. Maybe you need to get into the Word of God and get that taken care of. The Word of God should never offend you. The Word of God, the reality of who God is, should never impress a, 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 re, a repulsive type of spirit in you to reject who Christ is. And so the Pharisees had an emotional state that was just one of offense constantly. The failure to wash hands was not that which defiled a man. That's what Jesus is confronting the Pharisees. You say, that's a really a stupid subject to deal with. I mean, certainly people understand that. They didn't. And, there, and the problem is, many people I believe today don't understand that. That it's not what man puts in his body that defiles him. It's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. Jesus said, by nature... God has provided a way to clear us of any defilement of things that come into our mouth. Literally, in verse 17, he said, Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out in the draught? God biologic, biologically has designed the body how to disperse of that which is defiling that comes into your mouth and is defiling to your body physically. Uh, God has designed the body how to take care of that. Notice he goes on and he states, uh, Matthew Henry states this. He said, it may be a piece of cleanliness, 
washing of the hands. But it's not a point of conscience to wash before me. And we go upon a great mistake if we place religion in it. And uh, the Pharisees have made a major, major mistake in confronting Christ in reference to the washing of hands as being something that was religious in content. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse 8, But meat commendeth us not to God. See, some people think they're more spiritual. The problem with the Corinthians where there were those who would buy meat that had been offered to the temple gods, the false gods, and they would buy that meat because it would be cheaper to buy, and they would eat that meat. And so there was breaking fellowship and all kinds of conflict in the early church because of eating that. And Paul says, wait a minute, the meat that you're eating is not making you more spiritual. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. The Pharisees are trying to build this whole case that the disciples of Christ were defiling themselves because they were eating a bread uh, that did not, uh, did without washing their hands. You know what comes out of the mouth reveals the corruption that's within. It proceeds from the heart. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to these men, these Pharisees, that, wait a minute, it's what's coming out is that is defiling because it's coming from the, the depth of who, the reality of who you are. Character is corrupted by our speech and by the things that we say. In Psalm 5, in uh, verse 9, the psalmist reveals this matter of corruption coming out of her mouth. He says, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. In other words, they were saying a lot of things, but it, there were, they were not living out the things they were saying. There was no faithfulness in their conversation. Their character was corrupted. He says there's no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Why was there no faithfulness in their mouth? Because the very inward part, who they were, was corrupted. He says, their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. So the, 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 corrupt, the character of corruption that comes from the heart of man is that he'll use his speech to try to get what he wants. And because of that, uh, he, he defiles a whole concept of what God desires for him to be. You know, not only is the heart uh, shows the character that's corrupted, but it's desperately wicked. Jeremiah tells us that. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, in verse 9, says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers over the years say, Well, I just want to share my heart. And sometimes when he says that, I'm thinking, Well, I don't know if I want you to do that or not. Because your heart's desperately wicked. It's like my heart. I know there's been times I've said, I just want to share my heart with you. And every time I say that, I think of this verse. And Lord, protect me from what I'm about ready to say because the corrupt character of my heart can come out and say the things that are not right and what are not just and certainly aren't loving and aren't gracious and not merciful. Why? Because the heart is desperately wicked. That's why. Is that people, I've heard people say over there, well, he's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Nobody's got a good heart. 
Oh, you don't understand. He does good things. He does nice things. That might be so. The Bible says his heart is desperately wicked. These Pharisees didn't understand that. They couldn't understand why they were at odds with the teaching of Christ. They couldn't understand why they were having such a negative impact on people. And Jesus is saying, you're focused on the outward. And you need to get your heart, your heart's far from God. And so the character is corrupted. Uh, uh, des- uh, desperately wicked is the heart. As a result, the speech is twisted. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now I'm going to say, tell you, all this foolishness and all this political statements and hatred that's being spewed out and all this stuff is going on is coming from a heart that is wicked. It is coming from a heart that is corrupt. It's coming from people who despise the inward working of God and are trying to impose and force an outward conduct or response to everything that they desire to accomplish. Their heart is wicked. Their speech is twisted. And the only way to correct that is to correct the issue of the heart. Matthew Henry said this, The corrupt fountain of that which proceeds out of the mouth, it comes from the heart. That is the spring and source of all sin. The problem is man is far away from God. The Pharisees were far away from God. They had speech that was religious. They had conduct that seemed to be righteous. They had impressions and control and manipulation over masses of people, but their heart was not right with God. What's coming out? What's coming out? You can tell somebody's heart's right with God or not by what comes out of their mouth. In Ephesians 4.29, the Apostle Paul said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so we must put a guard on our mouths. We must deal with our heart relationship with God constantly because if we do not get our heart redeemed, we do not get born again, we do not experience the move the Spirit of God on us, I guarantee you, double dog dare you, to look at the reality that you're going to speak the things that are not edifying. You're going to respond to situations that are not merciful. You're going to live a life that is corrupt and wicked because of the fact of what's spewing out of you because your heart's not right with God. So in our text verse, verse 19, Jesus, for now the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. First of all, I want you to think about the dysfunction of man. We're living in an era where we see more and more broader and more and more evidences of the dysfunctionality of mankind. And we are not conducting ourselves properly. Notice he says out of this, I thought this was interesting and we're going to go through and look at this. In verse 19, he's paralleling the Ten Commandments. He is basically saying, when your heart is far from God, you violate every one of the Ten Commandments. 
when your heart is not right with God, there's only one way to live, and that's to live a dysfunctional life. And there's all kinds of corruption that comes out of the reality of our hearts not right with the Lord. So notice, first of all, he says evil thoughts. And I thought right off about family, family that is corrupted. Uh, that violates the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment in Exodus chapter 20 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that they, thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. My dad lived out that verse, I'll tell you. If we didn't honor him, uh, our lives were in jeopardy, amen? <laughs> but he said, listen, the problem with you is your heart is not right with God, and because your heart's not right with God, then you have all kinds of evil thoughts, and it affects the family unit. And uh, they say this, that 24 of 25 millennials don't have a biblical worldview. I'm telling you, that's an alarming statistic. 24 out of 25 millennials absolutely do not have a biblical worldview. They're looking at the world through business. They're looking at the world through education. They're looking through the world through finance. But they're not looking at the world through the lens of what the Bible has to say about the world. And the sad thing is, because we have allowed our hearts to be drawn away from God, we violate the fifth commandment of honoring our father and mother. In other words, that's dealing with the whole family structure. The family structure in America is decaying. It's falling apart. And it, listen, we used to preach, I used to preach that it's decaying and falling apart in the world. But the reality is it's decaying and falling apart in the church. More than half of all young people, ages 18 to 24, don't believe the Bible is God's inspired word. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a failure somewhere. There's a failure somewhere that we have these young people at this age bracket that do not believe the Bible is the word of God. Uh, let me just challenge you with this. This, this book is the word of God. And the way they've come up with this is because they have so polluted the minds of people with flooding the market with so many different translations of the word of God that are corrupt. They're not translations of the word of God. They're, they're just interpretations. They're manipulations of what the Bible has to say. And they have flooded it. And as a result of it, everybody says, well, there's so many different versions, so I guess we just don't know what the Bible is. Yes, we do. The King James Version of the Bible is the Bible. We hold to that. We won't compromise on that because I want you to believe, I want to believe, I want to trust in the reality that when God said he would preserve his word, he has preserved his word. And I can trust what the Bible says. There's not one word in this book, not one word, that I see as contradictory. There's not one word in this book that I see as not beneficial to my life. And if we, we have despised who God is and we have evil thoughts that have developed and affected our families in violating the fifth commandment in the word of God, the natural outburst uh, is that out of their mouth are going to spew a false reality that I don't believe the Bible is really the word of God. 
Where does that come from? It comes from a heart that's not right. Because a heart that's right will listen to what God has to say. Not only that, but they say uh, one in five Americans, that's 19%, say polygamy. Having multiple spouses at the same time is morally acceptable. I'm shocked by that. 20% of Christians? If you can't see that we've got problems, you really need to get your head out of the sand. The issues the Pharisees were throwing at Christ was all about their outward conduct and about their disciples' outward conduct. And they were refusing to face the reality that their hearts were far from God. And all these issues were developing. 93% of practicing Christians aren't comfortable uh, to have a conversation about the Lord with their own grandchildren. I was shocked. 93% of Christians aren't comfortable with talking about the Lord with their children or their grandchildren? Why is that? Why are we so uncomfortable about talking about being a Christian? Why are we so uncomfortable about telling others about our faith in Christ? Why are, why are we violating the fifth commandment of honoring our father and our mothers uh, uh, that our days may be long upon the land that the Lord giveth thee? Why are we struggling with these things? I can tell you right now, the issue is the issue of the heart. We need revival. We need a refreshing from God. We need a stirring that once again puts us in focus of the reality that God and God alone is the creator of all things. And God and God alone is the one who can give me life, abundant life, and I can have a life that's not dysfunctional because I'm not focusing on all these things that are going on around me, but I'm focusing on I want my heart right with God so that what comes out of my mouth will be just and right. So I see family corruption. That's the fifth commandment violated. I see in the verse he says murderers. That's life taken. That violates the sixth commandment. The sixth commandment says thou shalt not kill. And whatever the argument may be about abortion, the reality is since 1973, 61,476,102 babies have been murdered. Well, I think a woman has the right to choose. So you're saying she has the right to choose to kill a child. Well, you don't know what it is a child. Well, what else is it? It's not an eagle. <laughs> it's not a puppy. I heard a thing a couple of weeks ago. I've got to get going. I'll never get this message done. I heard a thing a couple of weeks ago about this group. Uh, of, and my wife's going to hate me for saying this, but it was like people who are worried about dogs and all this, and the other cats and animals and all. And, then, and I know they're furry little lovey things. They're wonderful. Amen. <laughs> but they, they went to China. They went to China to rescue these dogs 
that were going to be eaten by the Chinese. You say, that's terrible. Now, I'm not advocating eating dogs. <laughs> but I'm thinking people went from our country all the way to China to rescue dogs that were going to be sacrificed and offered and, and they were going to be eaten in this ceremony and all that, to rescue those dogs and bring them back here to America. But they have no problem going in an abortion clinic and destroying a baby's life. You say, how can that be? I'll tell you how can that be. The heart is corrupt and the heart is far from God. Well... Letter C, purity defiled, defiled. He says adultery and fornications. That violates the seventh commandment. The seventh commandment said thou shalt not commit adultery. They say Christian divorce rate is roughly the same rate as in the world now. Unfaithfulness, adultery, fornication. Christians who are faithful to church are 35% less likely to get a divorce. In the 24 years that I have been here, do you realize how many people I have visited who stopped coming to church for whatever the reason may be, and you visit them and tell them you need to be in church, you need to walk with God, you need your heart right with God because you're going to have all kinds of problems. We're all right. We don't need to be in church, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, within one to two years after they leave this church, they're divorced. You say, what's the problem? The problem is their heart's not right with God. You want to protect your marriage, the best thing you can do is be a husband and a wife with your children that are in church. And I mean every church service, every church activity. I mean to tell you, if we're saying we're having a nose-blowing contest, you're going to sign up. Fifty-six percent of divorce, American divorces involve one party. In other words, just the husband or the wife is just said, I've had enough, and they're walking out on the marriage. Fifty-five percent of married men and 25 percent of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. You talk about purity being defiled. America has an obsession with sexuality in the grossest immoral sense. I, 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 and I was looking at statistics. I, I, did, I was embarrassed even to put this in here. But when you start doing assessment and looking at the statistics of young people, teenagers, 20-somethings, boys and girls that are caught up in pornography, it is disgusting. And we're talking among Christians. It is a sick, sick society that we have developed because our hearts are far from God. 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. 57% violating the seventh commandment. Well, property taken. 
thefts, he says, thefts come out of the heart. That's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Nearly 60 million Americans have been affected by identity theft. I thought it was bad. My wife and I, we were in Bible college. We didn't have two, two pennies to rub together. And uh, somebody broke into our apartment, our house that we had, were renting and, and took whatever little bit that we had there. And uh, I thought that was bad. 60 million Americans have their identity stolen. That's where thievery has traveled. Said this, the companies, companies annually, companies in America annually steal an incredible $19 billion in unpaid overtime. We often think of thievery, somebody's taking your watch or somebody breaking your house. And No, no, companies are stealing people's money by not paying them when they work. $6 billion was lost to motor vehicle theft in 2017. You say, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Violation of the Ten Commandments. We, su we submitted ourselves to the liberal agenda years ago, and we removed the Ten Commandments out of our schools and out of the public arena because possibly, possibly, some child might read the Ten Commandments and start living by it, and look what it has developed. A heart that's far from God. Slandered, abused. He said false witnesses. That's the violation of the ninth and tenth commandments. Ninth and ten commandments forgetting. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy, covet thy neighbor's wife. All these issues are springing out of the heart. You say, how do you know that? Because that's what Jesus said. What goes in a man's mouth doesn't defile him. It's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. And the things that come out of his mouth are listed here. Evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and then blasphemies. That's despising God. See, not only do we see the dysfunction of man, we see the despising of God. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31 Matthew, oh, I better get over chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31. Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world that is to come. What's the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit? The blaspheme of the Holy Spirit is to attribute things of God to man. The blaspheme of the Holy Spirit is to say that God can't save you. You can't get saved unless there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit of God on you. And if you say, I can't get saved, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit because God can save you. The Holy Spirit can convert you. The Holy Spirit can regenerate uh, grace in your heart. When you say, I can't get saved, I won't get saved, you're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit of God, and you will spend eternity in hell. 
despising the God who created you, despising the Son of God who died for you, refusing to acknowledge the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God is to put yourself in a position of danger of the spending eternity in hell. So the first commandment says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's multitude of gods and ways to gods. So how do you despise God? By saying, oh, there's many ways to God. These televangelists are all wanting to try to get as much money they can into their organizations and go on national television and, and say that you can get to God through all kinds of different means. They're blaspheming God. Why? Because they despise who God is. Jesus did not butter it up for the Pharisees. He said, your heart is far from God because they were looking at multiple ways to get God. The idols... In worship of God. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The second uh, commandment is literally thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above that is in the earth beneath or is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Why? He says, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Idols. Putting something else in front of God. What's more important to you than what God is? When you have an opportunity to serve the Lord, worship the Lord, bless the name of the Lord, whatever it is, and you choose to do something that is secular, you have just established an idol in your life. Well, we violate the third commandment by demeaning the name of God. It says in Exodus 27, 20 and verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That's, that's, a, that's a dangerous thought. You use the name of God as a curse word, you're violating the third commandment. You just flippantly just throw the name of Jesus around and use it as a filler in your conversation, you're demeaning the name of God. His name is holy. Amen. His name, every knee's going to bow. And every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How can we even contemplate in our minds, in our hearts, that we would be flipping about the name of Christ? And then neglecting the worship of God. All this is underneath the blasphemies. You know, and uh, the fourth commandment says, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. God has commanded, whether we like it or not, God has commanded that there is to be a day set aside for worship and praise of him. Sunday is not my entertainment day. Sunday is not my relaxing day. Sunday is not my day where I can throw everything into it because I worked six days all week long. And so now Sunday's my day off. That's my day. I can do what I want with that day. No, you can't. It's God's day. And we need to get our hands off of what is God's and start to worship him again in spirit and in truth.
despising of God, the dysfunction of man. Well, here's the last law, the deliverance of man. God looks on the heart, realize the only way man can be delivered from this dysfunction and despising is he needs to be delivered by knowing that God looks on his heart. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on his height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. These Pharisees were looking on everything on the outward, and Jesus was looking at the inward. So I can face deliverance, enjoy deliverance from my despising of God and my dysfunctional reality of how I'm living if I acknowledge that God sees me. He sees what's in my heart. He sees what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm about ready to do. He is aware of everything's in my heart. And so I can commit my ways to him. Guard your heart, the psalmist says. Guard your heart. Why? Because your heart's desperately wicked. God looks on the heart, but God will create a new heart. Only God can make us different. Only God can make us new. And next, is, I mean, sorry, Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 31. The prophet helps us to understand about God creating a new heart. So he cast away from me, I'm sorry, cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed. And make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? The plea of the prophet was, why will you die? Why will you hold on to those things that are corrupt? Uh, cast them, those transgressions off. Cast those things away so that God can create in you a new heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, in verse 26, tells us, A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. The prophet said, why do you embrace your transgressions? Cast those things off. You need a new heart. You need a new spirit because God said, I will create in you a new spirit. How we need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to convert us and to change us and to deliver us from the corrupt thoughts that we have. Then God makes all things new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, uh, well, that If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Revelation 21.5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, these, for these words are true and faithful. I just want you to know as Jesus was rebuking these Pharisees because of their outward emphasis and their outward focus, uh, that he was, was able to offer them a new and living way through faith in him and the sacrifice that he was going to offer. They could not understand why the disciples were not caught up in the outward appearances. Because they had received a new heart from Christ. They have received a new life through faith in Christ. And they were not living according to outward appearance. So what's coming out? 
Paul deals in Galatians chapter 5 about the works of the flesh. And he gives you a whole list. Those things are prevalent in your life. You've got a problem. But then he also gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit. What's coming out? What's coming out? Because whatever is coming out, whatever your conversation is, whatever your conduct is, it's showing you what really is down deep in your heart. And this morning, we need the Lord to give us a new heart, one that's fresh, one that's alive, one that's changed, one that's powerful, one that's righteous, one that is just, one that is victorious. We need God to give us that new heart this morning. That's about for prayer. My Father, I come to you. I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you for the new life that we can have in Christ. I rejoice in the goodness of our God to send Jesus into this world, but help us not to be like the Pharisees, guarding all of our traditions and guarding all of our actions and focusing on the things that are not spiritual, but the things that are fleshly. Help us, Lord, to have complete victory. The world is struggling to identify with who Christ is. Help us not to be in that situation. I pray if there's somebody here that's not saved, speak to their heart, Lord. Draw them to the altar. Draw them to Christ that they might be born again. And the Lord will give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's